ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. It's Chris Carlin and Chris Canny, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter, at ChrisCanny99 and at Chris Carlin. And as always, tap in on the Canny Carlin line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. And big fella, it's been a while since we've worked together, but it's also been a minute since I've been in the studio with somebody else. We were just talking before the show, and this is the second time I've done a radio show in studio with somebody since March of 2020. And you didn't expect it to be somebody as large as me, so it's probably an overbearing presence in some way. Well, I don't know. I feel like it's appropriate because it is hump day, so, <laughs> so I mean, we, to have the 300 pounds so on the show me, together. So you carry me around like a camel, is that what you're saying, for the next something, few hours? Something like that, something like that. But, Excited to be here, man. We're going to have fun. Absolutely. We're going to have fun, but for baseball fans that were looking forward to seeing their teams on opening day on March 31st, let me tell you what you're not going to have is any fun watching your team because as of yesterday afternoon at 5 p.m., Commissioner Rob Manford has proceeded with the threat that the owners have made in the last several weeks about canceling games. And now that we're in day 90 of the lockout, we're canceling 91 games, I believe it is, and on the Major League Baseball schedule as a result of the owners and the players not being able to come to an agreement by the issue deadline of March 1st at 5 p.m. So, big fella, I got to get your take on this, man. This is this is a pretty bad look for baseball, and I feel like the optics of it are only going to get worse. I've been exceptionally disappointed with how it go with how it's gone, and the optics are only going to get worse. And Chris, I checked in with some players yesterday about this, and and my feeling all along has been that the owners are more at fault here for what's happening. Um, the players, mind you, the last couple of times have gotten their clocks cleaned in these negotiations. And they're trying to make up some ground right now, and I understand that. Everybody's at fault in some way or another. But players fully expected this yesterday, and they they knew exactly how it was going to go. The night before, you hear, well, we're making progress. We're getting closer. We, you know, you got the owners. You got Rob Manfred running back and forth between two compounds. Make it look good. Oh, we've had 11 different meetings. We're all going in the right direction. And then the next morning you hear, well, you know, the players, their tone has changed a little bit. And then at 5 o'clock, it's the players have officially rejected the owner's last proposal. All set up that way very intentionally. To make the players look like the bad guy. And for me, I think everybody's at fault, but the owners, I mean, it, it, it's hard to root billionaires versus millionaires, but give me the millionaires in this one. Because when your revenues go up exponentially over the last 10 years and the average salary goes down, something's wrong with the sport. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And, CC, you hit on it right there. We have to keep in mind what this is. And I think Tony Clark alluded to it when he addressed the media yesterday in the evening. And he said that the owners are using the lockout as a weapon against the players. When you start talking about a $10 billion business, with revenue only poised to go up with the expansion of the postseason, whether it ends up being 12 teams or 14 teams as opposed to the format right now of 10, you're talking about a nine-figure boon for the owners, and that should be shared with the players. And right now, what the players are looking at is this competitive balance tax, also known as the luxury tax threshold, being too low of a figure in order for teams to be able to help players realize their true value to the sport. And I can understand why players would be upset at it because there is that unintended consequence 
that they're seeing from the last CBA negotiation with the owners using this competitive balance tax as a soft ta- as a soft cap in a sport that's not supposed to have a salary cap. So that's the reality of where the players are at. And it seems like this is one of those things that the owners are unwilling to move on. They're willing to make concessions in other areas, but this is the biggest issue for the players and the owners aren't willing to acquiesce to their demands. And they've got they've got leverage from this standpoint. Are players really going to be up against it when they start missing some paychecks? And I think that perhaps they have overestimated that a little bit because the players' union has always traditionally done a good job to prepare their guys for situations like this when they can see it coming. Now, having said that, the the only number that matters to me right now is 142. And what that is is the number of games that the owners have to provide, that that they have to give to their TV partners to get the full money. 142. So they can miss 20 games and not lose a penny in television money. And that's, I, I have felt all along that I thought this would be kind of a one-month thing. And I hope at most it is. But they're not going to be doing any negotiating anytime soon. And, you know, Chris, I, I also really get angry when you see somebody that is just a, a, a it's a perfect foil in Rob Manfred to have out there. But at the same time, like, there is just a feel to me, like, does he really care about the game at the level of other commissioners in the past? Because it, it kind of doesn't feel that way sometimes. Well, I don't know if I'm going to take it that far, CC. What I will say is this. I don't think Rob Manford cares about the fans and the players as much as he let on yesterday. Oh, no, no, no. And, and I think that kind of tone when you're talking about canceling games at the beginning of the season comes off to be a little bit patronizing. Yeah, Have you heard one fan... You know, when he says we're listening to the fans, have you heard one fan demand that playoffs be exp- expanded? No. No, me no, neither. I and you're a that. huge baseball fan. I'm a huge baseball fan. I know nobody that said, you know what, we're missing more playoff teams. You know what we need in the playoffs? More mediocrity. No. And he's trying to sell you that that's part of what the fans want. Uh, that's that's garbage. We'll watch because our team will be on the line but it doesn't mean that, oh, my God, at the end of this year, I'm so glad that a that a, a 79-win team made the playoffs this year. Here's Commissioner Rob Manfred yesterday on the cancellation of games at the start of the regular season. Well, if you've done everything you can, why did you go 43 days without talking? That's a great question, and I'm pretty sure that he didn't have a legitimate answer for it. But, again, Rob Manfred sounds ridiculous when he tries to characterize the lockout as a defensive lockout. Big fella, you and I have talked about this before, even off air, not on shows. The fact that we're talking about billionaires being afraid of what millionaires, a few millionaires, and a lot of thousandaires could do to their business and their bottom line is absolutely asinine. This is clearly about the owners trying to continue down the line of being able to get gains with the collective bargaining agreement negotiations, knowing that the players in Major League Baseball, in comparison to the other three major sports leagues in in this continent, they have more favorable terms in terms of the monetary split. So I think that the MLB owners want to get closer to that model in terms of being able to realize a larger share of the profit. Oh, I don't, there's no doubt. But when, when he says things yesterday like, you know, the last five years have been particularly bad for it, no, 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 no. 2019, you had $11 billion in revenue. Ooh. That was a number that 
had never been reached before. Over the last five years, it's somewhere around $50 billion in revenue. You know, the, the Braves, I guess the Braves are publicly owned, and so they their numbers have to get out there at some point. And last year before the World Series, they're the only ones. You never find out how much teams make. $110 million they made last year. Profit. Not, not, you know, not just... That's after they pay everybody. After everybody's <laughs> paid, after everybody in the ballpark is paid, after the rent's paid, all of it. $110 million profit last year before they went to the World Series. That's, that's a tough sell, Rob. That's a lot of coin. Yeah. But, but again, it comes down to the owners trying to take advantage of the players. And really, they can hold out longer than the players can hold out. When it comes to who's going to be missing checks, you talked about the regional network money, the television money that the owners have to lose down the line. They're betting that the players will get a little bit antsy before the owners get antsy in terms of missing checks. So what will happen next between the players and the owners as we move closer to the month of April? We'll hear from somebody that's in the know about these negotiations and the dynamic between the players and the owners as negotiations continue. But first, a word from Indeed. Want to streamline your hiring for the springtime? Then you need Indeed, the powerful hiring platform that allows you to attract screen and interview candidates all from one place. Just sponsor a post and you'll instantly receive a list of quality candidates whose resumes match your job description posted on Indeed. Invite them to apply and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. See why Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job site according to Talent Nest. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. You're listening to Chris Carlin and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. And right now, big fella, we got to go out to the Candy call-in line to bring on USA Today MLB columnist Bob Nightingale. And, Bob, with the latest turn of events with the collective bargaining agreement negotiations in Major League Baseball, what can we expect in the coming weeks in terms of when these two sides are going to get back together to try to hammer out an agreement? Well, legally, they got to keep talking. They can't just... You know, going hiding for our three weeks, four weeks. So I, I think you're going to touch base on on Thursday and then go from there. But let's be honest. I mean, it was such a, uh, you know, uh, tough thing for them to go through it. You know, eight straight days of bargaining sessions, six and a half hours, and still to get nothing done. Uh, both sides are prepared to go backwards. So this is going to be a while. I mean, everybody thought that if we don't get a deal done, in Jupiter, Florida, it's going to be Armageddon, and I think that's what's going to happen. Bob, when you look at these two sides right now, how did we get to yesterday? Who do you feel like was at most at fault in getting to what happened yesterday? Well, I think the owners waited way too long to try to get something done. They finally, you know, they finally did. Uh, but, came, but, you know, just came on too late for this thing. And then, uh, and so then they, you know, came with a bum rush. I think both sides should have stayed at the bargaining table until, you know, Tuesday morning when they went for six and a half hours. You know, once they, uh, you know, once it, once they left and came back yesterday, then it was like, you know, all the uh, momentum had gone. So nobody, nobody should have left that table. But we're talking to USA Today MLB columnist Bob Nightingale on ESPN Radio. And, Bob, 27 years ago when there was a work stoppage, we recognized that MLB had taken a turn for the worse when it came to popularity in this country and being able to maintain their share in sports uh, relative to NBA and the National Football League. Can, I know it's hard to quantify the economic impact of what this uh, lockout will do long term, 
But if we're talking about an extended period of time, what happens to Major League Baseball from an economic standpoint long-term? Well, it's going to be a huge, huge hit, and I know it's going to turn the sport into helmets into a niche sport. And let's be honest, with the way uh, baseball is right now, if you had taken a, uh, a survey among casual sports fans, uh, they wouldn't even know there was a baseball lockout until the day after the Super Bowl. And then said, oh, my God, what do you mean there's no spring training? Uh, hey, the, you know, the NFL has you know, way past uh, baseball in popularity, so as the NBA, uh, NHL is, is coming close. I think, you know, baseball, uh, you know, the way it's going right now, you know, if there's any, you know, a work stoppage, I mean, if there's games canceled, say, into May, uh, I'm not sure they'll ever recover from this. Yeah, Bob, when you say recover from this, is this about they're genuinely worried about not getting back the people they already have? Or is it about not getting the people that they're working to get? In other words, the younger fan right now, it's all we talk about when it comes to baseball. Yeah, when the longer, younger fan, what was that survey I saw, the Gen, uh, Gen C survey, so 21 and under, only had baseball as the sixth most favorite professional sports, even behind uh, That you know, number feels volleyball. heavy, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, you know, they got they got to change the game if they're going to get the young fan back. And I think that's what baseball tried at the end there, try to say, okay, can we put the pitch clock in there? Can we ban the shift? Can we uh, you know, get bigger bases to help slow bases? They tried all that. You know, it was too late. It wasn't going to happen until next year anyway. But, you know, baseball realizes that, hey, you got a problem. It's become uh, – the games have become very boring uh, and way too long. So – but right now, if this thing keeps going on, I think they're going to get a uh, – you know, if this thing keeps going on, I think they're going to lose the casual fan forever. Bob, another innovation that Rob Manfred mentioned yesterday when he addressed the media was the draft lottery and saying that it would be um, as you know as innovative as um, effective as any draft lottery that's out there in major sports, even more so. And so, your thoughts on the draft lottery potentially, you know, creating more competition for the sport post trade deadline into the months of August and September. Yeah, what he's talking about is making sure these teams don't tank. Yeah. These teams, uh, you know, lose on purpose. So at least with that, someone can say, hey, there's some, you know, the next Bryce Harper's coming out or Steve Strasburg, you know, that you're not guaranteed to get one of those guys. Uh, so, you know, that part's going to help. And I think they'll get, you know, they'll get either six uh, lottery picks or five. And, you know, baseball players made it clear, you know, they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to expand on playoffs for 14 teams 12 okay but they think 14 teams would be too much uh you know mediocrity and actually sacrificing money to do so bob nightingale usa today mlb columnist bob let's just make it as simple as possible when do you expect to see baseball again i would think i would think may 1st i I don't see it i don't see it in april i think it's going to be a big big drop off here I really do. Uh, I mean, these two te- these two sides are going to retreat now back to New York. Uh, there's just no uh, momentum, so they got to regain that whole thing, and they almost need another deadline. One last one: in the players were very, very adamant yesterday about wanting to make sure that they got paid for all 162. It feels like that that could be a major issue when they do get back to the table. 
Is that fair to say, and is it something that the owners are even going to consider at this point? Oh, no, it'll be a major issue. That's why it's, it's going to be more complex than, than you know, uh, stopping it. You know, those games aren't to be made up, MLB says. We're not doing double hitters, and they, uh, you know, you're not going to get paid. Now, you know, that, the pay thing will become a, a big issue. That's why I think it's going to get you know, worse. I think it's going to get these talks will get worse and better because these guys missing uh, missing games and, and missing pay. Uh, I, I could see if it was a week long, these players would get paid the full uh, 162. If we're talking two, three weeks, that's not going to happen. Well, Bob, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. I know this is going to be something that's that's ongoing, and I'm sure that we'll have a chance to talk to you again to update us on the latest. Thanks again, bud. Sure, my pleasure. Take care. All right. That was USA Today MLB columnist Bob Nightingale on ESPN Radio. And big fella, it doesn't sound like he's too optimistic that this is going to be something that gets turned around pretty quickly. No, and I don't know why you would be. I, I The month thing, okay, we can all deal with it. And let's remember one thing. April is the least profitable month of the year for the owners. People, nobody it, you know, who's got any kind of cold weather wants to go to the ballpark in the middle of April because it's still 40 degrees. They don't want to freeze. So that's why they have the least amount of people in the stands. So I'm sure that there's a part of them that says we got no problem not paying the full boat right now when we don't get nearly as much money as we do when it starts to get warmer. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Let's keep this in mind. This is something that the owners initiated, not the players, and it's not like we didn't see this coming. The way that these two sides argued back in 2020 when we were talking about a pandemic-shortened season, you knew that that was a precursor to an ugly knockdown, dragout fight when it came to negotiating this collective bargaining agreement. We'll have more on that later on in the show, but coming up next, from Russell Wilson to Kyler Murray to the latest on Derek Carr, we'll get the player perspective on where all of those situations go. You're listening to Chris Carlin, Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. You're listening to Chris Carlin and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Tap in on the candy call in line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. But right now, Carlin, we got to go out to the hotline and bring on Las Vegas Raiders linebacker K.J. Wright. And K.J., thank you for a few minutes of your time. It's always great to talk to you, and I want to get straight to it, man. This has been an up-and-down season that you guys just went through. Your teammates in Las Vegas, you had the controversy with John Gruden and him being him resigning in the middle of the season. Then you had the tragedy with Henry Ruggs cutting the first-round draft pick in Damon Arnett. You guys went through a lot, and yet you were still able to find your way to the playoffs. Talk about the leadership that was on that team, and specifically Derek Carr and what he meant to that locker room. Right. This season was definitely a challenge. I've never in my NFL career had to face that many obstacles to hurdle to have a successful season. And so I, I credit Derek Carr. I credit myself, Max Crosby, a lot of guys. That that's played a lot of ball, that have great character, kept that season afloat. Because we could have we could have found every excuse in, in in the world to say, hey, this season's not going good. We just lost our coach, lost our receiver, cornerback, to have a terrible season. But uh, we kept that thing going. As you saw, we made the playoffs on those last four games, and I believe we had a fantastic season. When you're in that position of being a leader on the team, and 
like you said, you have this many just unreal obstacles. What are you doing as one of the leaders to try to keep that ship afloat through it all? You face those obstacles head on. You, you, you address it. You say, hey, guys, this is what we're, we're up against. And you just have conversations that this, you see, we got to learn from these types of things. We can't repeat these same mistakes that we're doing. And we got to focus on the game. The best NFL players, in my eyes, know how to process things and just, start, you know, you have to learn how to push things aside. You got to learn how to focus on the task at hand. We, we're dealing with this, but who's our opponent this Sunday? And what can we do to make sure that at the end of this game, that we're, that we're the winner? Talking with free agent linebacker K.J. Wright on ESPN Radio. And, K.J., we know that the new league year starts March 16th. I know you're an impending free agent. The Raiders hired a new head coach in Josh McDaniels. Just your thoughts on him stepping in to be the next head coach of the Raiders and what that could potentially mean for your future in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have yet to hear from the Raiders. Um, I'm I'm waiting for that phone call to, hey, hey, let's, let's try to get something done. And so I'm, I'm excited. I believe that, first of all, Rich Basashi did a fantastic job with that organization, with that team. And so I'm, I'm happy that, that he has the opportunity to continue coaching. But for, for Coach McDaniels to come in, it's going to be really exciting, especially for Derek. Um, he's had a great history with quarterbacks and what he's done with Tom Brady, obviously, and Mac Jones this past year. And so it's definitely going to be a change in the room. But I, I believe that with his track record and credentials, it's going to be a successful year for the Raiders again. KJ, I know you were frustrated last year with how the free agent process played out, but you did land in L with in Vegas. Rather, do you expect this year's free agency to be a lot different? What is your read on how this could play out for you early and where you might end up? I'm telling you, I can't expect anything. I, I the what I went through, just no phone calls. I don't know what to expect. I, I would love and hope that something happens sooner rather than later. But I understand this business, and, um, I, you know, they want to grab the young guys and get those big, big names signed early. But I would love to be on the team, OTAs, um, even, you know, early in the process. And so we'll see how it goes. I know that I have a whole lot to bring to a team. And, um, yeah, I just still want to keep balling. What do you feel like you showed this past year? What's the team getting when they sign up K.J. Wright? My resume speaks for itself. Just go look at the 11 years I put together, getting a Super Bowl, um, 100 tackles each and every year, got a Pro Bowl in there, took helped a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in a while to get there, to, you know, just teaching guys the process of, of winning, the process of enduring a long season, taking care of your body. There's just so many things that go into um, having a successful season. And so my resume speaks for itself. But at the end of the day, I, I do want to be somewhere. Talking with Pro Bowl linebacker K.J. Wright on ESPN Radio, and you mentioned that championship. You spent 10 years in Seattle, and the quarterback that you won with, Russell Wilson, there's been a bit of controversy surrounding him the last couple of off-seasons and him publicly letting it be known that if he were to be traded, there were potential destinations that he had his eye on. Do you expect that Seattle could potentially part ways with Russell Wilson this offseason? All of this stuff surrounding Russell in Seattle is very, very surprising to me. I, I, I just think when I look at Russell, he is the face of their franchise, and he has no business trying to leave or there even be talks of him leaving. That team has no business trying to rebuild or to find another quarterback or to get a bunch of first-round picks for him. Russell is the guy to help Seattle get back to a Super Bowl. And so I believe that all this stuff will blow over 
And, um, you know, Russell will definitely be wearing number three next year in Seattle. So with that in mind, would you be – like, if you're reading this and you're seeing how this is playing out with Russell, would you be surprised if Russell wanted to leave Seattle or would you be more surprised if the Seahawks didn't want Russell back? Well, my, my, I guess my question, if that is the case, that where, where else would he want to go? Where else do you have a, a two stud receivers in DK and Tyler and where you have an environment to where Coach Carroll allows you to, to be the best version of yourself? That team, when my last year there, we won 12 games. That's that's the, the roadmap to, to, to making the playoffs and, and going to a Super Bowl. And so he has all the pieces there to have a successful season. And on the defensive side, they, they made some changes gotten better as well. And so it's a good football team, and I can't think of too many other places he can go to have another great, great year. KJ, I want to ask you about another quarterback that's been in the news out of the NFC West. Kyler Murray and his representation had let it be known that they want a contract extension this offseason. It's the first year that Kyler is eligible for a contract extension. It's created a lot of controversy, a lot of conversation around just how good Kyler Murray is. Where do you come down in terms of what type of quarterback, what caliber of quarterback Kyler Murray is in this league? Let me tell you, I've never seen – I was watching ESPN the other day. I've never seen a quarterback do so much right for an organization get this much criticism. You know what I mean? This man is, has literally changed the game. He, he's a game changer for that organization especially. And for him, for all these questions about his leadership and can win the big games, it, it's pretty bizarre to me because I've faced Kyler several times, and he's one of the best uh, that I've seen play. And so – I definitely believe he needs his money. I definitely believe that these questions surrounding his leadership need to go away because I've seen some quarterbacks, you could be a great leader, but give me five wins. You, you know, what exactly are you doing for my franchise? And so I know that at the end of the year, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. They started losing, but this man is talented. So I believe he needs his money. When you see that kind of criticism come out, what do you think it is about it? Like, why do you think for this particular guy mm. that criticism is coming? That's a very deep question, and I, I do not have the answer for you right now. I just, I'm very shocked because I've seen some quarterbacks nowhere near his talent get get paid, get paid Preach. really big bucks. Preach. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep, but I've seen some some quarterbacks that – that are pretty average in my eyes that I played just get big, big bucks. And here this man is that just made the playoffs. We're talking about Colin Ray being the MVP earlier in this season. And here we are, all these questions getting raised, just finding reasons why not to pay him. It's pretty upsetting to me. As an opposing player, when you're going up against a quarterback, what do you pay attention to when it comes to their command of their team do you notice that? And so can you see the leadership pretty evidently in a quarterback when you're going up against him? And you're talking about Kyler in terms of his skills. How does he match up in that regard? Well, each quarterback is different. I, one of the best quarterbacks that I play in my eyes is Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers, you can actually see his intellect during the like, – Right when the ball is snapped, he'll tell you what blitz is coming, what coverage ran, and he will say it out loud so the whole defense could hear it. And each, every quarterback is not that. Every quarterback is not going to be the rah-rah, get you hype up on the sideline. Every, everybody is different. All I know is at the end of the day, are you bringing me wins? At the end of the day, are we, have, are we putting up points 
um, on Sundays. And so can he grow in some aspects? 100%. I'm sure he can. But it, but like I said, he's a very good quarterback, and the man is still young. Let's give him time to grow. But when it comes to paying him, I think that he has earned that. KJ, we appreciate you keeping it a buck and a few minutes of your time. Best of luck to you in this free agent process, and I hope you land exactly where you want to be, my friend. Go get your bag. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank y'all. All right. That's Pro Bowl linebacker KJ Wright joining us on ESPN Radio. A lot of interesting stuff that he had to say about Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. We'll have a chance to get into that, too, a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, should the 49ers bring back Jimmy G next season? You'll be surprised by our answer. You're listening to Chris Carlin, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. He is Chris Carlin. I am Chris Canny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And big fella, I know we got a difference of opinion when it comes to where the best pizza can be found <laughs> in the United States. I, I, I'm from New York, but I'm getting married to a Chicago gal, and that deep dish, dish pizza has got my heart. I know you feel otherwise about it, but we'll get into that conversation a little bit later. <laughs> but right now, we got to talk about what's going on out there on the left coast with the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. We got word yesterday that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have sh- shoulder surgery this offseason. Off it's going to be on his right shoulder. Uh, from what I understand, it's a capsule issue that they tried to rehab. It happened in the wild card round. And now moving forward, this is going to be something that has to be addressed. But according to reports from our very own Adam Schefter and others, this is not going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo from being a commodity on the trade market if, in fact, the 49ers do decide to go that route. So that opens up the question of whether or not the 49ers should consider dealing Jimmy G. What are your thoughts on on what they should do at the quarterback spot this year? I don't I, – I wouldn't. I would keep him. And the reason is, look around the game right now at teams that thought they had their guy and were locked in on their particular guy. Look at the Cleveland Browns. Look at you know teams like that that are back in quarterback hell, as Dave Gettleman would say, right? (laughs) Trey Lance was a guy that was a tremendous prospect. But, you know, I knew a couple of people who were on the North Dakota State staff when he was there. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember, this guy played one full season at the FCS level and then one more game. He's not ready. I don't believe for a second that he's ready right now. He feels to me like he is one of these quarterbacks that it may take two or three years. I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but honestly, if you're John Lynch right now and you had a chance to take back that trade last year, would you do it? You probably would. It's three number ones and a number three. I just think for safekeeping, I am under no illusions about what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Okay. All right? I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's more, he doesn't get enough credit, all that crap. I know what he is. That team is so good, I can't let the quarterback go lose games for me because of inexperience and learning. If Garoppolo is going to lose games for me, then, all right, I I, got to obviously move on. Okay. okay? But if trade, I can't hand what they have defensively to to a young guy who's got all these weapons to work with, who's not ready. And I personally 
don't believe he's ready from the things I've heard and seen. It's interesting that you frame it that way because we're talking about losing games because of inexperience versus losing games because of ability. And I think that's the debate that you have. But then also you have to consider when you have a quarterback like Trey Lance that you mortgage three first-round draft picks for, you have to recognize that the value in having him is being able to have him at a controllable cost if he's going to be your starting quarterback. But, but are they ready to win right now? My well, answer would be yes. Well, here's what I would say. I think the 49ers got to the NFC Championship game despite their quarterback play and not because of it. Oh, I agree with that. And, and, and I don't think that Trey Lance in any way, shape, or form is going to be more of a I guess detriment to the outcome of the 2022 season than what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo in the 2021 season. And so I look at the potential, the upside of Trey Lance, even though he's going to make some mistakes, him gaining that that experience is going to be a boon for your team moving forward in terms of you being able to compete at a championship level. Can he grow into a championship quarterback? Absolutely. And while you don't have any draft capital, at least early on in the next coming drafts, at least you do have the opportunity to reallocate some of the resources that you would be putting in the quarterback position into other areas of your team. So the cost, literally, of having Jimmy Garoppolo on your team is an impediment to what you could be if Trey Lance ends up being your starter. I get that, and I get that you can live with the Lance mistakes. I can live with him if I feel like later in the year he's going to be much better than he is in week one. Well, as a Lakers fan, let me tell you the mistakes that I can't live with. Russell Westbrook, and how he ended up getting out to the L.A. We'll talk about LeBron and the Lakers, the latest L on ESPN Radio.